0: daily inspiration podcast on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. All right, with us right now, we've got the Christy Wilson Delk. Christy, you're here locally here in Orlando, and you are an author, uh, you are a well-known speaker. You're you're well-known in the area. You're an educator. Um, you are, I guess, you're a university professor uh, now, and you the title. Your, your book is titled "Adventures in Franchise Ownership." And I think what I'm really excited to talk about is the things that you've learned in the franchise world that every business owner should really take heed of in growing their own business. So we're going to talk about systems um and uh and 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 you've also agreed to kind of geek out a little bit on kind of the state of franchises right now which is a subject that I I kind of you know as a both a consumer guy and uh you know one who really loves studying business trends uh I know you have a pretty good uh pulse on
1: so thank yeah. you so much Christy for joining sure, us sure absolutely so happy
0: to be here with your audience So if you could just start off by, you know, how did you get
1: into your very first franchise? Oh, okay. So like a lot of people that find their way to franchising or entrepreneurship, period, I had been laid off, probably fired once or twice, and um, had actually just, I have one child and had him and then boom. Got laid off after nine years Uh, with the company. uh, It it was okay. I mean, you know, I landed on my feet, but that's when I realized, you know what? This is it. I I really need to find something that I can call my own and started looking at franchising because, and this happens a lot too in the industry and with all business owners, somebody had kind of been whispering in my ear, hmm. hey, you really ought to look at this. You know, I think you could, I think I could see you doing this. And it happened to be, a great lifestyle choice which was an early childhood education center called yeah. Kids are Kids Academy. So oh, yeah. yeah, so it it wasn't overnight and it wasn't like some bright bulb went but you know like so many of us it took a little time and then I knew the time was right.
0: So Kids are Kids we we've, we've, we've I've see them around. <laughs> yeah. And so why why that one?
1: Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Mhm so it was it's a relationship, you know, just like so many other things. <clears throat> I have never coughed on a podcast or an interview. that's
0: okay I, human humans cough and it
1: and it and it's, <laughs> I know, yes, and we do someone
0: think that this is an overly produced show no we we yeah don't. <laughs> it is not
1: there you go um it's a you know it's a relationship business, and yeah. the the person that had been saying that to me had a particular relationship with the franchisor. So I went and explored a couple of um, other locations and went to an open house and then started doing research. And I loved the idea of that space for me, you know, raising a child, not wanting to travel anymore. So again, so much about franchising, so much of about, about it applies to other kinds of businesses, but it was a passion. And and I thought I'd be good at it, you know, mm. l- like kids, uh, like customer service, like HR, like marketing, because there's a lot of marketing. Right. Um, so I settled on that one. It was uh, just a really good fit for me and still is. I'm speaking at their conference in May. Oh, wonderful. So yeah. um, when you... Uh, are
0: looking at franchises. Uh, is it, is it typically, I mean, my impression is that some of
1: these franchises are kind of a uh, high barrier. Is that, is that true? Uh, yeah, some of them are very high barrier. This particular, uh, brand and a lot of the early childhood are pretty high because you're buying the land, mm. you're building the building and so on. So your standalone buildings, um, Usually, you would consider pretty high barrier yeah. because you've got to do that. Now, there are other brands like Chick Fil A and and several others that have a business model that allows you to work your way into an ownership position. Oh. So, there's really no one way that it's done.
0: Mm-hmm. But the
1: least, uh, the the lowest barrier is something. Speaking of trends, that is. Been growing faster and faster is um, different in-home franchise business. Travel super big. There's a company called Cruise Planners. Another one, um, Dream Dream Vacations, which is the division of World Travel. And there's um, home inspection. Mm-hmm. There are um, you know home services. I, I Squeegee Squad just clean my windows. <laughs> of, you know mosquito. So service. Business franchising is a huge trend. Yeah. And in home you can do it. Now eventually you want to grow, you know, as your listeners know, you you can't you can't stay home forever. Right. But yeah. So some of them are low. Twenty five hundred dollars. You know, we have uh, one of our
0: clients has a green car wash, uh, and that's his. He franchises that model, and it's fifteen hundred dollars oh, wow. um, to to start. And I mean, he and and I want to talk about the. I mean, so it's so really there are really accessible things you can start, and totally. the advantage to joining a franchise. Think about starting a kids are kids, but you brand it yourself and you start from scratch. What was the advantage to going through a franchise model as opposed to trying to come up with all this stuff on
1: your own? Yeah. So, so I, you know, people enter franchising at all different ages and I hope we talk about some of the things that millennials are doing, but I was like, you know, early thirties or so I had been in sales and marketing, Josh, but really branding, um, the the marketing collateral, uh, the PR, all that, I had not been exposed to. So I just really didn't want to deal with that, number one. Number two, I love children, but I'm not an educator by uh, trade. I, mm. you know, I teach college level now, but that's very different than writing curriculum. So in this particular arena, the curriculum is a really big thing. The But, but the thing I think that is most relatable is franchising is sort of a hybrid between owning a business and doing it completely on your own. You've got that good corporate support. And for some folks like me, that I needed that and I liked it. And to this day, you know, like I said, I still have a relationship with them, but for me, that was great for others. They're a lot smarter than me. Maybe they don't need that.
0: Mm, Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about kind of the lessons and kind of the four pillars that you've come up with Um, in your book. um, You know, I'd I'd really love to kind of get your and I know you go to a lot of industry events. You're a well-known speaker. uh, And so I'm, I'm really curious about what other trends you're seeing in the franchise world. So think of restaurants, other businesses that you might find in strip malls, maybe new and emerging Um, businesses that like really haven't been under the franchise model previously. Uh, I'm curious what you're seeing.
1: Yeah. It's good timing because I uh, spent the last couple of days at, it's called the International Franchise Association Conference. So, not an expo, but a conference. So, I saw some more that I had not been aware of. I mean, there's so many things. So, I would say you know the major trends, and these may not be huge surprises, but for sure it's fitness. But it's yeah. not just anytime fitness or twenty four hour Planet. fit It's not just those. We're now getting into where the people that started Orange Theory. Oh, you yeah. had a guest on your on your show a couple of weeks ago that was involved in fitness.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he had a different, he took, he had an, he had physical locations So a little while ago. and uh, So we've had a few. <laughs> so I one had a martial arts studio. He still has a martial arts studio, but one, um, so he had a uh, a gym. He closed the gym. He's all online now.
1: Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So individual sports like rowing, like the Pilates is really growing. Mm-hmm. The spinning that's really growing. So it's not just it's not gym so much that's growing, but still yes. But the different segments, beauty products, eyebrow, eyelash, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now and now, professional services, hearing, um, chiropractors, um, uh, those that segment. But but I go back to that biggest one being service and what i mean by service i'm i'm thinking maintenance commercial building yes but more home because what do we not have yeah time and so all those things that you might have done on the weekend or had the power washer but you never pulled it out <laughs> you know there's people that want to do all that and as consumers in the us we know some of those things like finding the right plumber finding the right you know carpenter and all that, it's hard sometimes, mm-hmm. or they're so busy. So all of that's getting franchised. But also, um, one more that I wanted to add, and that's, um, it used to be, at least when I was buying uniforms and hats and all that promotional stuff, right. which is so fun, you know, it was always, it mostly was, a you know, mom and pop, forgive me, but I, I, I use that term. Um, but now, um embroidery shops, patches, um all kinds of promotional gimmick key things, not all mm. under one roof, but select. And then what they do is they go after a particular niche, mm. you know, like franchises or uh podcasters or, you know. So, I, I this is very broad but almost anything you can think of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that uh, I, I know enough not to get into this industry, but the restaurant industry is going yeah. through a lot of changes. And I think it's, yeah. we're going to see a lot of changes over the next five years uh, in particular. What what do you see in, yeah. your, in your tea leaves?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things is we know and and I said I'm not an educator by trade, but I do teach college students um, at the very, you know, basic level, but business courses. So we talk a lot about what they, what they like and need and want. Mm So millennials going up to what, twenties, late twenties. So they want this experiential stuff that top golf, you know, I'm pretty sure that's a corporate corporation, not a franchise, but Mm -hmm. you know, anything where I can go and sit with my friends. Oh, I met someone the other day that is coming out with a cannabis, not a shop. But a place where you can go, um, you know, and sit and enjoy a bar. Yeah, like a bar. Yeah, yeah, like a bar. Bar. yeah. yeah. Those, those are definitely going to be popping up yeah. as, right. as they
0: as they become legal around
1: the country for yeah. sure. So anything experiential. So when it comes to restaurants, one of the things that they they are finding. In fact, I have a story in my book about it's under the competitive chapter. Um, if you build it, they will come. But will they keep coming back? Yeah, and and the notion that not, I mean, forget staying the same for five years. We all know you can't do that. But you really need to be changing every year. And so this That's this right. fella, his name is uh, Matthew Corin. I've never met him, but I read an in depth article in some franchise, probably Franchise Times. He has Freshy, um, and I don't think they're in Orlando. They probably are, but I, I haven't seen one. But anyway, as he goes around the country and trains, and um, you know visits franchisees. Mm -hmm. He notices trends. He gets out of the freshie box and notices trends. And so they, their niche is that they change their menu almost monthly. So if I'm a millennial, I'm going to go in there and go, Ooh, what are they having now? I'm coming back because that's another thing. That's a trend is we like change. You know, we want to know that there's going to be something different there. So that's a big thing that the the older guys, you know, are going to have. I say, guys, the older brands, you know, they're mm-hmm. going to have to find a way around, and they are. You know, Golden Corral now serves breakfast. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot. Uh, you know, my favorite carrot salad is no not a, no longer offered at Chick Fil A. No, it
0: isn't. <laughs> no, no.
1: <laughs> now it's a kale salad. It's yeah. good too, but. So just, you know, keep it. And then also being able to, um, you know, be accessible being, um, um, you know, delivered and all those things. So, Yeah. yeah. You
0: know, one of the best things that I think, uh, you know, there's an advantage, inherent advantage to being part of a franchise. I think the biggest thing is the marketing because I don't think that most folks really comprehend how much of their time they need to spend with sales and marketing and growing that foot traffic and growing that business. And most people say, well, I really enjoy this trade. So I'm just going to, do open up, uh, put put my shingle up and start doing it. And the, and the business will just, well, you know, people will find me, they'll, they'll see my re- sign on the in the strip mall or something like that. Yeah. And it'll just magically come. And, you know, a franchise, uh, a, a, a franchiser will have a lot of experience and yeah. be able to say, no, no, it's going to take a lot more than that. And yeah. so here's what we have a lot of data on. Here's exactly what you need to do. We've done this before. You just followed this system and you should be able to have a good five-year plan to get up to that point where you should start to be profitable.
1: Yeah, that that is true. The marketing is definitely a wonderful part. And every, again, every brand might do it a little bit different. Some contribute to a fund. um, Maybe they do it by region, those kinds of things. But when it comes to marketing, I talk about in the book about the four pillars, build layers of loyalty, because even if you open up in that shopping center and people keep, people start coming to you, how do you ensure that they'll keep coming back? Even if you're whatever you opened up, say it's a pizza place, you know, was fantastic, you're going to have competition. And your franchisor really wants you as a franchisee to be really ingrained into your local market so that people aren't thinking it's a chain, but rather it's a small local business. And so building loyalty with your clients, building loyalty in your community, with your staff, um, and also, of course, with the franchisor, or if it's franchising, so marketing can never be taken for granted. That's for sure. But so how do we
0: build? How do we build those
1: lo- layers of loyalty? Then, okay. So with your clients, you can do it in, in you know, many different ways. But first of all, showing appreciation and. If you're a newer business or you're having a you know a little bit of a tough year, it could be something very small. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can depending on if you have a storefront, it could be you know coffee and cookies or some little Chotsky um, to give them, and sometimes even cards. Appreciating the business, noticing them on their anniversary, I think is a mm-hmm. big deal. Um, my marketing person that I work with. Um, always does that, and it's it's super meaningful. So, or even a loyalty program. I got out of my box um, of the childcare industry thinking, mm-hmm. and and I really highly recommend people step away from their business. And I don't mean just for an afternoon. Sometimes, but look at other industries for ideas. And I came back thinking, this might be sort of a no duh now because it was several years ago. But you know, why can't I have a loyalty program? you've been here five years. I'm going to give you two vacation weeks. You know, boom, Mm. that's, that's, you know, four or $500, make it count. So when I talk about strategic leadership, I mean, you're only one person. So you have to be strategic, make it count, make it all count with your employees. You know, career development is super important, helping Mm. them develop, exposing them to different things. Maybe it's a, again, maybe you're on a budget Maybe it's a chamber event or a networking event. Hello, employees love that stuff. Um, so I I used to do that. Um, same thing: anniversaries, birthdays, etc. But helping them achieve their goals, but knowing what their goals are, really important. Um, noticing if they're having a bad day. Hey, is you know how. What's going on? You seem like you're you're not quite yourself. Mm. Just taking the time to to notice things, um, then we can get into the real good stuff: the benefits, the paid time off, um, you know, a paid holiday. For example, I have a story in the book about during the hurricane times. You know, we closed. I hadn't been open that long, but you know what? I paid hurricane days or partial hurricane days mm-hmm. or something because you know they weren't getting paid. So. Things like that, but it's really important. But the idea of the layers, and then I'll stop. But the idea of the layers is that you do one thing, Josh, and then if you find that this is no longer impactful, Mm -hmm. like I offered a gym membership for a year. You know what? It started off great, but then nobody went. So I took it away. So you can put something else in there. Building layers, you just want to keep building it up. But you can take away, you can change I did a merit program. This is a really great one. I'm going to share this one real quick. I did a merit program because one thing that we business owners are hard, it's hard to do is hold people accountable and have your managers hold people accountable. So I developed a merit program, which also had a demerit side. Somebody didn't do something and they had already been verbally you know, talked to about it, mm-hmm. then they got a demerit. But if they got a merit because they did something really terrific, after three, they got a full paid day off. Um, that worked great, except the implementation was a little rough. I didn't mm-hmm. scrap the program. I reworked it and kept it for years. Um, so you could get creative, but you just know, to you, show you're continued thinking about your business. Yeah. How do you come up with these ideas? <laughs> well, I love that you asked that because I think listening to podcasts yeah. and audience, he didn't, we didn't discuss this, but listening to podcasts and getting ideas outside of your office, outside of your industry, mm-hmm. really great. If you go in do your office supply shopping or you're looking through a catalog or you see something, um, make a note because it could be something that you could you can use in your business, how somebody greets somebody, you know, all kinds of things, but the internal, the good stuff that really can change your business. That's listening to podcasts. That's listening to audiobooks. books. That's um, the kind of thing that I, I, I practiced every year. I latched onto one and one um, Spencer Johnson's peaks and valleys um, smooth out the terrain mm. in life and in your business helped me enormously and that's what made me start thinking about the balance and the pillars wow
0: um i would imagine that i hope at least that that's advice that you give the students because i know that when we've hired recent college grads you know one of the first questions i guarantee i'm going to ask this question Uh, what podcasts do you listen to and or audiobooks or like you know, blogs that you're reading. And I'm just like, well, you know, whatever it is, you know, and, and I just listen. And I mean, I can tell honestly, I can tell everything there is to know about somebody based on the content that they consume on a regular basis. And it's not that they're a bad person if they're not consuming that stuff, but it just communicates that you know, maybe they're not as driven in that particular space that, that mm-hmm. I can
1: make an assumption based on that. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's a great way to quickly, you know, screen out people and, and that's so important for all mm-hmm. business owners, but yeah. And plus, you know, it speaks to how well are they versed on, you know, what it is you do. I have mm-hmm. a story in the book about a guy. Um, I interviewed top performing franchises, like 20 of them. And, it was so, it was so fun and so interesting, but he owned a, I'm thinking, oh, You Break I Fix, and Anytime Fitness. He had several. So this was a real go-getter out of Milwaukee, wow. Wisconsin, real go-getter. And he did something similar to what you do. He shared sort of his leadership kind of, my word, manifesto mm-hmm. and asked them, hey, what do you think about? Gave him some time to read it. And say, hey, tell me what your thoughts are. And if they weren't like rad, this is you know this is great i have something yeah. similar this is how i think and yeah. they couldn't have a discussion about it that was it yeah, so i think that's, that's pretty clever one. yeah Your, yours like is as well well i hope my students will listen to this cuz they they will get extra credit josh <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um moving on to the third pillar money huh. metrics and and is is tell me about that is this about measurement and and uh yeah. you know, having having the, the 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 CFO uh wearing the CFO hat
1: yeah kind of sorta i um i say in the book i had to check and look up the definition of metrics just to make sure i didn't embarrass myself but it's really just numbers in whatever form it could be a percentage you know it could be a decimal but as, as it relates to something else so in franchising um you know, there are some key metrics that your franchisor should give you that has to do with the basics, the higher expense items, food, mm. payroll, those kinds of things. But in every business, in every industry, you know, there's in that will help guide you as to how well you're doing. So for example, I was I was much more generous with my salaries and my pay and my benefits than my other franchise than a lot of my franchisees in my segment. Mm-hmm. However, my metric was right in line, no problem, because of the way I managed the business. So it was like, hey, it works for me, great. So the metrics help guide you as to where you could spend more money. Maybe you're not spending enough money yeah. on payroll or marketing. It's not all about, obviously, top line. You know, It's also about the lines in between and creating efficiencies. What am I doing different? So the first thing really is that, yes, you have to measure. I have to have a baseline. Is it what I did last year? Because I had a great year. Okay, that's fine. Start with that. If you have a couple of other years, great. Throw those in. I would usually do like a rolling three or four years yeah. and then break it down into quarters or months if you can. And and, and with some work, you can. I'm um, I, I, I profess that working, don't get mad at me, but one Sunday a month, close yourself up in your office for three or five hours and just play with your numbers will do so much good. Yeah, it it really helps. But then pick three, not all of them, pick three that you want to focus on for that year and really measure it, really try to notice. And it's so interesting. You know, like I had um, one, I was trying to, my food budget, I knew was going to be high because I was trying to introduce healthy foods, you know, as mm-hmm. a competitive advantage, you know, value yeah. proposition, things that other people may not have even tried, you know, how our culture can be sort of close-minded, especially mm-hmm. with children. So anyway, I just could not get that number down. I'd mm-hmm. do something fancy, not fancy, but something expensive and then something less expensive. But anyway, I realized one day when I came back from some kind of a meeting, I walked in and I was early and I walked into the cafeteria and the staff was like, hi, Miss Christy. Oh, hi. Everybody was turning around and I realized the food is so good. It was meatloaf day, Josh. Yeah. It was meatloaf day. Everybody was helping themselves. And you're talking 30, 40, 45 people. Yeah. That's why my numbers were shot. Ah. So, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I thought, okay, let's implement a policy. I'm okay if you have a child-sized portion, but you need to sit at the table, you know? Yeah. So you don't need to be like, you know, hamster face. So anyway, but when you know your numbers, you see different things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can add to the bottom line, which sometimes gets you where you want to be easier and quicker than the top line.
0: Yeah. Inspect what you expect. Um, the fourth pillar is
1: method management. Tell me about that. Okay. So I, I say method management is how you focus on your business and that anyone in any any realm of business it's the the top performers are those that super that really focus on their business, and by doing that, I mean having systematic approaches to almost everything. Mm-hmm. And you, my friend, are very systematic in what you do. You're you, the number of podcasts you're putting out that is prolific, Alyssa. With the pre call, mm-hmm. the the follow ups. I mean, it is it's, it was so fun, and yeah. I learned something from you. A couple of things, actually, very clever. Yeah. But having there's, a systemat- there's more to come.
0: Just you oh, wait. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> you know, okay. I, I, I had uh, honestly, like anyone who wants to be a guest on this program, who like just, just to experience what we've learned over many years, uh, is that you know to be able to produce that much content, if you're not systematizing it, you're. <sighs> Yeah, it's just going to, it's just going to eat you up. Uh, I tell, I talk to other podcasters and, you know, we're up to nine episodes a week and it's so, so good for our business. And I tell that to other podcasters and they're like, I can't even wrap my brain around doing more than one a week. I'm like,
1: well, then you're not really systems focused then because that's what it requires. Yeah. It it is, and and it and it really shows with you. That's that. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I even forwarded to my marketing team at South Street Company here. Little plug, um, a couple of your things. I said, look at this. This is so cool. But anyway, it's more than just systems, though. It's also keeping them in balance. So again, you're one person, big job. I say, what are you? Go- what do you need to accomplish this month, this quarter? This year, And that's what you focus on. Yeah, your long-term stuff is here, of course, but that's what you need to focus on. And a lot of very successful people think that way. The Chick-fil-A founder was dead set on saying short-term focused. But with that in mind, you don't get all off track and you can stay systematized. And so I even have, I even had and it's in the book. I won't say that anymore. Mm-hmm. A meeting plan for the year. In other words, these wow. are the second Tuesdays that our staff meetings are on. No excuses. These are our monthly managers' meetings. Because there they are. Why not? You know, but that way you hold people accountable. And who else do you hold accountable? Yourself. Yeah. Sorry about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know, a lot of times I think meetings. Don't happen just because we're like, well, we got these. And or it's the meetings are all about just putting out fires, or you know, it's it's all very immediate as opposed to thinking more long range or long-term, or what should we be working toward. Yeah. Unless, again, it's kind of like if you're on a fitness program or a weight loss program, it's like you you, you you know, you you, you got to think about what the end goal is and then break that down into
1: activity goals to ultimately get
0: to what it is that you want. Um, That's a
1: great analogy. Yeah. yeah, and you have a more or less preset agenda, you know, and it's not like new business, old business. It's like mm-hmm. red flags. Okay, what should we, what, what do we need to be looking at? White flags for us were, okay, we had closure on these things, new ideas. And you can't, what it does too, is it cuts out, all those interruptions, hey, I have an idea or somebody wants to see you. No, you know, that's something, let's put it on the agenda for the next meeting. Right. You know, it really helps. So then really, it's just super critical things that you need to deal with. So, uh, you know, that's what method management is. And I didn't obviously coin method management and people can call it whatever they want, but they have to have a framework for running their business. And so the pillars are how the business is built, but the methodology, the math, you know, is sort of the framework for that. Yeah. So Christy Wilson Delk, your book is <laughs>
0: Adventures in Franchise Ownership. It's on Amazon, it's on Barnes Noble, and it's available on the web at ChristyWilson.com delk.com so Christy thank you so much for joining us this has been fantastic what else uh, what would else would be a great aside from the book um,
1: I, I think you have some you have some free resources that you give away is that correct that is correct so I just put them up for for podcast listeners great. and and created them and just put them up so if they go to you don't even have to give me your email mm-hmm. if you go to Christy Wilson Delk Dot com And that's mm-hmm. Christy C.H. Wilson Delk with a D uh, dot com forward slash listeners. There are four pillar worksheets and you can use them for any business. Um, you can download them uh, and copy them, whatever you need to do. And then mm-hmm. on my website, I do have a four pillars, like a pictograph guide, mm-hmm. but that they do need to give me their email for. Um, yeah. But you can download that. But then, yeah, of course, the book, and it's going to be on Audible. And um, yeah. Fantastic. Or audio, I should say.
0: Yeah. Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. This is a long episode. Uh, we had so much that we needed to cover. So thank you for the extra time. And I appreciate your wisdom in this area.
1: Oh, thank you. It's been really fun.